Hello, hello, welcome to Chowderhead Sports here, coming to you live from Boston, Massachusetts, home of the greatest sports teams in the world. We've got the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Bruins, Super Bowl champion Patriots. We've got it all here. So it's been a little while, you know, got busy, but let's give time for things to develop. You know, still in that slow period of sports where football's over, baseball hasn't really started yet, and hockey and basketball are kind of approaching the playoffs and things are a little heating up. But, you know, if there's a month you got to kind of take off, I guess March is the one just because it can be, you know, a little uh, unentertaining. But a lot has happened. Uh, we got to cover it. So we're going to jump right in with some Patriots because, you know, they're on the tail end of, you know, the last season. It's just interesting to see how everything's shaking up. So the let's just jump right into Malcolm Butler's whole situation. So for those who don't know, Malcolm Butler, the Bill Belichick put a first round tender on him. So what that means is it when he signs and he has not signed this yet, but he, he has to, he's obligated to. But what it means is he essentially Malcolm Butler would be paid three million, like three point nine million dollars to play just for next year. And if any other team wanted to sign him this season, this current season, they would have to give us their first round draft pick, their highest first round draft pick, hence it being the first round tender. So Malcolm either signs this first round tender or he doesn't play football for 2017. You know, it's, it, those are his two options. So if he signs the tender and, he go, and he's going to play, which I would be shocked if he sat out, his, to get off the Patriots, he has to go to a team, convince them that he will sign with them long term, and then have them pony up a first-round pick for him. So it's, it's a smart play by Belichick. It's, it's one of those odd restricted free agents where, you know, he, we'd get something in return for him. I kind of like that. I thought it was a good move. And what happened was the Saints showed heavy interest in Malcolm Butler at the time when the Patriots and Saints were talking about a trade for Brandon Cooks. I had heard rumors of Brandon Cooks would be traded straight for just Malcolm Butler. That was going to be the deal. That fell through when the Patriots ended up sending like a first and a third, or and they got him in a fourth. They got Brandon Cooks in a fourth. So that the whole adding Malcolm to that deal didn't um, really turn into anything, but it did show that the Saints were interested in Malcolm Butler. And I think Bill Belichick knows that they need someone on defense. They're not a great defensive team, and right now cornerback is you know a premier position, and Malcolm Butler is obviously one of the better corners in the league. So Sean Payton actually flew Malcolm Butler into New Orleans. They discussed deals. Malcolm seemed to like the, the offer that they gave him, but the Saints just did not want to give their 11th overall pick to the Patriots for Malcolm Butler. They wanted to try to maybe you know, do a different kind of deal, give the Patriots the 32nd pick, which we had just given them for Brandon Cooks. But the Patriots were like, no, nah, we don't want to do that. Either it's the 11th pick or you're not, you're not going to get Malcolm Butler. And essentially, I think a couple of days ago, the Saints came out and said that they will not trade the 11th pick away, hence meaning that they're not going to get Malcolm Butler. Uh, so that's, that's huge. That was the team that showed the most interest in him. And I think basically... He's going to be a New England Patriot for the 2017 season if he's going to play football at all. 
If he's going to sit out and moan, uh, then he won't play football this year. And honestly, that would just cause his stock to just drop immediately. No one's going to want to sign a guy who hasn't played in a year and obviously has a lot of issues if he's sitting out a year just because he doesn't want to make three and a half million. And I get it. Listen, Malcolm got kind of screwed in this whole thing. The the Patriots told Malcolm Butler they weren't going to sign. You know, when contract negotiations began, he wanted to get paid like $10 million. They're like, we're not going to pay any corner that much. And then we went out and paid Stephon Gilmore like $13 million or whatever it is. Um, so I think there's real tensions between Malcolm Butler and the Patriots organization. Um, but I don't think there's anything Malcolm can do about it. You know, it's he's in a tough situation. They put the tender on him which means basically he's going to have to suck it up and play. And he seems like he likes the Patriots. I think he was really hurt by the Gilmore signing just because it showed that we didn't want to put our faith in him, that we'd pay that kind of money to a different guy rather than the guy who won you the Super Bowl you know, two years ago. So we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out, but I thought that was interesting. The also big, not really big Patriots news, Tom Brady said this multiple times, but... He said he's got six to seven more years left of him, left in him to play professional football, which honestly I think is an overestimate. I think he just kind of says these things, you know, gets his name in the media, gets people talking, kind of keeps everyone on edge. But six to seven, no, three to four, probably. Um, Listen, I love Tom Brady. It's going to be interesting how everything shakes out, you know, with with his time in New England. Um, Obviously, the fans love him. Bill Belichick must love him, but at the same time, you do have Jimmy Garoppolo. He is a proven, well, semi-proven corner quarterback, and Brady's battling father time. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But I did think it was interesting that Brady said six to seven. I mean, that's a long time. That would be like 2023, 2024 that he would be, you know, retiring, and that would be that'd be ridiculous. That'd be playing almost 25 years in the NFL you know, at, at the rate that it is today and whatnot. I mean, we'll see. I'd love him to play and, and win championships that old, but at the same time, I got to be realistic and say, Tom, I don't know if that's going to work out, you know. We'll see. We'll see, though. I mean, you know, never doubt Tom Brady. That's what that's what I've learned in my entire life. If there's one thing, you can't doubt him. I doubted him in the Super Bowl, and then he won. So, you know, maybe he will play when he's like 50-something. Who knows? But that's pretty much it for Patriots. Um, like I said, off season. Not super entertaining, you know, free agency's over, so there was all that, but that's kind of over. So right now it's just going to be like the draft, and then literally nothing for like a six months. So um, kind of moving away from that, we'll just go into Red Sox. Yeah, because the Red Sox are opening day. Opening day is two days away. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I am so excited. I love baseball. It's probably my favorite sport. Um, not that that necessarily matters, but... I love all sports equally. All right, baseball was just a sport that I always felt I could play. Um, so anyways, it's it's an interesting time for Red Sox fans because it's currently snowing outside in Boston and opening day is two days away. Uh, so as much as we want to feel like it's baseball season – like Mother Nature is playing a cruel game on us, on all us Bostonians, and it's snowing and sleeting, and it's really crappy outside. And at the same time, I'm supposed to be looking forward to like you know the Red Sox. It's just it's just weird kind of feeling. Um, but 
what's happening with the Red Sox pitching rotation. I have no idea. If you guys don't know, well, first off, they announced that David Price would be starting the season on the DL, and his his situation just looks messy. They don't really have a timetable for his return, but the way Chowderhead sees it, the way I see it really, is the fact that he missed pretty much the most important part of spring training. He did all the workouts and stuff, but he never really got the live action pitching for the last two months. So call it a month and a half. So he's already a month and a half behind. And whatever kind of, you know, recovery plan, training plan they have him on, if he's starting off in the DL, he's probably not going to play much in the month of April. I'd be shocked if they even put him in for May. So say he misses a month and a half, of the normal baseball season, right? So he comes in like mid-May, you know, early June. Basically, that sets him not only a month away or two months away in the season, but he also has to then start his like, you know, training of just throwing normally. So if his recovery plan is like a month and a half, and then he has to do just a normal month and a half of of you know throwing and and being in Pawtucket or wherever they send them that's three months of time away from professional baseball like like MLB baseball and you know three months into the season you're looking at like June you know uh late June July and that's best case scenario that's that's literally he doesn't need you know this this thing goes smooth he can throw for a month and a half and then, you know, do his workouts for a month and a half and then be up. So best case, can I, best case scenario is like June, late June, July. Uh, that's not, you know, it's, it's not ideal. Listen, David Price is the guy you went out and paid like $217 million to. You know, he was your ace last year. I mean, he was supposed to be your ace. Obviously, Porcillo ended up filling that role because Porcillo's nasty. But that's not, anyways, he has... You know, he wanted to prove a lot. He didn't have a great first year in Boston. He still got, you know, ethered in the playoffs. So he has a lot to prove. And then with the Chris Sale signing, to be honest, I think that kind of lit a fire under him because all of a sudden Boston, the year before, said, you'll be our guy. We'll pay you ace type of money. You know, you will be our guy, our opening day guy, you know, our, um, you know, playoff guy. We're going to be the guy you lean on for big games. And he's like, awesome. I want that. And then he doesn't have a great season. Porcillo, his teammate, has an awesome season, wins the Cy Young. And then they go out and trade for a stud in Chris Sale. All of a sudden, he's the third option on the team. And I think that bothered him. You know, I, I see the way I see it, it would have been Porcillo's your opening day starter, which he is, then Chris Sale, and then I would put Price, just based off of you know, success and whatnot. And that probably pissed off Price a lot. I think he didn't want to be the number three guy. So he wanted to prove a lot. Then he gets injured. And now he has to deal with all this. So right now, being David Price is not fun. And I think out of any of the three, Porcillo, Price, or Sale, if one pitcher had to go down, I'd pick Price. You know, if, if I had to lose one for the season, I'd go with Price because he's just, he just, I don't know, to me, he just, didn't adapt well last year, and honestly, Porcillo proved he can pitch in Boston, proved he can win the Cy Young, and Chris Sale is disgusting. You know, if you're a baseball fan, you know Chris Sale's nasty. He's he's Kershaw-esque. He's right up there with some of the best pitchers in the game. So, honestly, 
it's it's a bummer. I remember being so psyched to say, oh my god, a rotation is gonna have Price, Sale, Porcillo. It's gonna have um, you know, maybe Rodriguez, Pomeranz, and Stephen Wright. Like you know, any of those three guys. You pick two of them. You're gonna have a good rotation. And it's not really turning out that way with with Price going down. But at the same time, you know, don't count the Red Sox out. They still have two ace worthy pitchers in the rotation so you know you can't really complain there and also if you guys don't know the other pitching debacle was you know thornberg he has some weird trapezoid or trap i don't even know it sounds like trapezoid to be honest with you it's some like elbow slash like shoulder i think it's a shoulder actually like flare that he had or some spasm and now he's out for a while and he was kind of throwing shade at the red Sox, like workout team or they're like you know they're pitching training for spring training he said that that kind of made it worse or not I don't know it just seemed like he didn't like the protocol the way the Red Sox were having him start the start the spring training and maybe he threw too much and whatever but he's also gone so you got Price and Thornburg going down I mean you you can't really have more injuries to start a season than this. I think there's a lot of concern. Um, the Red Sox kind of... Listen, pitching's, pitching has been the worst part of the Red Sox for a while. I mean, you have... Let's look at last year. I mean, you can hit home runs. We hit a mass, We put up a massive amount of runs last year, but it was pitching. That was the biggest issue. And right now, two of your guys that you've acquired in the last two years, Thornburg isn't great, but he's not bad. He went down. Price went down. You know, you got to keep these guys healthy. I mean, you can't have Sale go down. You know, he, you know, if he all of a sudden gets hurt or whatever, then you really got to look at the way you're managing your pitchers and go at it a different way. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it for Red Sox. Um, like I said, as soon as the season starts, there's going to be a lot more Red Sox coverage um, because, let's face it, I love baseball. So, uh, kind of shifting away from that, we're going to jump to the Bruins real quick. Um, and I, I listen, I had a big rant, or at least I thought it was a big rant. It might not have been, but the whole like Bruce Cassidy takeover and all of a sudden we were like 12 and two and everyone was losing their minds, including myself. You know, I kind of took a hard look at it and said, listen, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year, you probably won't even win your first playoff round. You know, you won't even win. Um, you, you might win a playoff game, maybe two. So, you know, everyone was going crazy. The Bruins are back in it and all that, blah, blah, blah. No, not really. They weren't. They never were. And I think they really proved it these last stretch of games. You know, they went on a four-game losing streak from March 16th all the way to the 23rd. They lost to Edmonton, Toronto, Ottawa, and Tampa. And these games, they just did not look good. I mean, listen, you played back to back Monday night and then Tuesday, so the twenty and then the twenty first. They played Toronto, the team that was currently right behind them in the playoff race. And then the very next night they played Ottawa, which was the team directly ahead of them. So it gave you a good sense of okay, how are they really better than the team behind them or you know, are they really that much worse than the team ahead of them? You know, where are they? And they lost both games pretty convincingly. 4-2 to two against Toronto and 3-2 to two against Ottawa, even though Ottawa looked way better in that game. The, uh, the Bruins put up two goals. 
I don't know what was going on, but I didn't like that. It just seeing them lose back to back like that to the two teams, and I think I'm pretty sure right now they're a wild card team. They're not even holding the like a normal playoff spot. They're in the um yeah, they're in the wild card, so they're not even a guaranteed playoff team and that's just that's just kind of sad you know they have a few they have they're they're pretty you know disappointing but uh, what i was trying to say sorry i lost my train of thought here um the, listen the, the bruins need a complete gut of the team and you know whatnot i think getting rid of uh, well, putting in Bruce Cassidy, getting rid of Claude Julian, that was the right move. I was behind that. I'm like, listen, you can't just stay in a rut like this. You know, let's shake things up in the organization. And they're not a playoff team. If they make the playoffs this year, they're still going to get blown out. All right. They're not good. They're not. Stop fooling yourself. They're at best a mediocre team. And you have to be okay with that. You can't expect them to all of a sudden like upset Montreal, you know, and and seeing Ottawa beat them pretty convincingly and seeing even Tampa. Listen, Tampa is the team currently right behind them for the, the last wildcard spot. Tampa also beat them. Tampa beat them convincingly too. So I have no idea what happened with the, I think just the whole like Bruce Cassidy like high that we had is over. And there's no real change to this roster they won like 12 out of two but that always happens when you have a manager switch up so what what more you know i don't expect them to be a stanley cup contender i don't think anyone really does and if you do you know you're wrong <laughs> you're wrong they they won't listen they will not win the stanley cup this year guaranteed all right it is guaranteed they're they're barely making the wild card for the playoffs but I guess, listen, I don't want to hate on the Bruins. I know it probably seems like that's all I do when it comes to them, but it's just disappointing to watch them have a lot of talent. Bergeron, Marshawn, um, Tory Krug, Pasternak. Like, they have a lot of good talent on this roster. Rask is the third highest paid goalie. You know what I mean? Like, you have, you know, you have a good team. Not a great team, but you have a good team. You know, Krejci's a, you know, a little old and... You know, Char is just a dinosaur on skates. But, you know, you have leaders. You obviously have, um, I think, Marshawn's, you know, on his way of putting up 40 goals this season. Like, you have some guys who can play, and you just can't win big games. Like, that is just so infuriating. So I might seem down on the Bruins, but that's just because no one else is. I think a lot of people are just like, yeah, go Bruins, woo! back in it no not really it's it's just disappointing to watch them continuously disappoint at least me i don't know if they disappoint you guys but when you're dropping games against you know teams that you should beat well not even teams that you should beat you don't even look like you're competing against playoff teams ottawa and the maple leafs are not, are your biggest competition right now and you didn't even show up for those games. You you barely even made it close. And it's just disappointing. So we'll see. Obviously, if they get into the playoffs, I'll get a little excited just because, 
you know, the playoff atmosphere of hockey is crazy. Um, so anyways, that's pretty much it for the Bruins. Uh, sorry, Bruins fans, if I dampered your spirits, but someone had to do it. Uh, so last thing is the Celtics, and I don't really know what's going on with the Celtics. I w- did go to the Celtics game last night. They played the Magic. It was awesome. It was a really, it was a trap game. I think as of late, the last three games that they've played, the Celtics have not been themselves. They didn't play great against Miami. They lost to Milwaukee, and then they almost lost to the Magic. They only won by a point. 117 to 116 was the final last night in the Garden. But they do have the number one seed in the East. They dethroned the reigning champion Cleveland Cavaliers, and they currently hold a half game lead i think it is in the in the east and that's no small feat you know it's it was pretty much chalked up that it was just going to be Cavs warriors for the third time in the finals but the celtics listen i'm not saying the celtics can beat miami i mean miami sorry i'm not saying that the celtics can beat the Cavs in a seven game series but if you look at the way the Cavs have played the last few nights they lost to the Bulls, which is basically like losing to Milwaukee. So honestly, that's a, you know, we lost to Milwaukee, they lost to the Bulls. All right. But they got obliterated, obliterated by the Spurs. And that just goes to show you that there's, they haven't figured themselves out. They're not in a good stretch of games. And the Celtics, A, have a pretty easy schedule going the rest of the way. We play Miami, the Hawks, the, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks again. And I think we play the Cavs again. And the Cavs have a bunch of back. We have no more back-to-backs or like one more back-to-back. The Cavs have like four more back-to-backs. They have to come to the Garden to play the Celtics. And they don't have a super easy schedule to close out the year. So I look at that as a opportunity for the Celtics to solidify themselves as the one seed. That would be huge. I know a lot of people are trying to say, well, oh, LeBron's been able to get to the finals even if he was the two seed. Yeah, but you know LeBron also doesn't have the same. He's he's listen. He's obviously the best player in the league right now. I'm not even going to debate that. But LeBron has a, there's a lot of problems inside the Cavs locker room. Just I can guarantee you that. You know LeBron and Tyron Lou and LeBron and any coach he has always kind of have they butt heads when it comes to decisions. You always hear LeBron calling out the front office. Oh, we need this kind of player. You should sign this. You know, why don't you do that? And I and I think that it'll start to show if they keep losing games towards the end of the season because how you play in the playoffs is dictated by how you enter the playoffs. If you look at the look at the Red Sox and look at the Patriots from this current year, well slash last year. The Red Sox went into the playoffs choking you know, big leads. They got swept by Toronto at the end. The night that they clinched the AFC East, they gave up a grand slam, I think, in the bottom of the ninth to lose the game against the Yankees. Okay? That was the biggest kick in the crotch I've ever experienced. So they walk... The the Red Sox had, I think, had won like 11 in a row or something like that right before and then went on like a really crappy losing streak and then got swept in the playoffs. That's no coincidence that's just the Red Sox not going into the playoffs hot and then not being hot in the playoffs whereas look at the Patriots this year the Patriots 
rolled into the playoffs. They were on like a nine or eight game win streak since losing to Seattle, and then obviously won the championship. And if you look at the uh, the Patriots last year, right, like 2015, they were losing games at the end of the season. They lost to Miami. Uh, they lost to the Jets in overtime, and then they ultimately lost in the playoffs. They didn't play really great. I mean, they, they beat the Chiefs, but then they didn't play great at all against the Denver Broncos and lost the AFC Championship game. So there's this, you know, this, this notion that if you enter the playoffs playing well, then you will do well in the play, or you should do well in the playoffs. And I think right now, the Celtics have an opportunity to enter the playoffs playing well, having, you know, rest because you don't have a lot of back-to-backs, and also playing easier competition, whereas the Cavs have already struggled, and if they continue to struggle, and the Celtics continue to, or I guess not continue, but the Celtics begin to get on a roll, win the one seed, don't think that the Cavs won't be like, how did we lose the one seed? You know, how did this happen? And then there'll be a lot of in-room fighting, and then they'll walk into the playoffs, you know, and ultimately lose to the Celtics. That's my biggest bold prediction, that the Celtics can beat the Cavs. All right, even better, the Cavs will not make the finals if they continue to lose. If they go, I don't know how many games there are left, if they lose four or five more games the rest of this season, they will not make the finals. Bold prediction. Bold. So that's pretty much my thing for all of those sports teams. Um, I heard like MLS started a couple of weeks ago. I don't really watch MLS soccer. I watch Premier League soccer, but not MLS. I could literally care less. Um, but yeah, go Revs. Uh, sorry, my voice is still a little shot from last night at the game. Um, but anyways, this was Chutterhead Sports. Thank you guys for listening. And Mother Nature. Why are you making it hard for me to want to watch Red Sox baseball? Stop this snow. Let it be sunny. Let it be spring here in Massachusetts, please. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. This was Chowderhead Sports.